Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about season nine, episode 14 called Captives. So I just want to say this is one of those episodes that I don't love. I don't hate it. This and like, is kind of like a, you know, it's like a stepping stone episode to like other things and like, yeah, but I don't know. It didn't do much for me. It was, yeah. this isn't like an exciting episode for me to watch. Yeah, this isn't an episode I ever felt like, oh, I want to watch that again. Yeah. It's you just know? like, okay, like it's in the storyline, so it's important, but like, also, yeah. eh, you know, yeah. like- <laughs> I mean, there are a couple characters that you know and love that. Is yeah. nice to see again in yeah. whatever w- way. Whatever capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's cool because I love those actors. But, like, yeah. at the same time, like, their storyline isn't, like, you know, Super sunshine exciting, and rain. Well, it's not, it's not even, like, happy, you know? It's yeah, just no. kind of like, oh. Like, well, that cool. happens, yeah. Have a great life now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we start out um, as viewers. We are alone in the bunker kitchen. Uh, water is slowly dripping out of the faucet. The lights suddenly flicker. Then we get a shot of the empty dungeon, and one of the overhead light lights is also flickering. Then we get a shot of the long hallway, and there is a flickery, ghostly, supernaturally figure. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, well, I'll get to that. Never mind. You're you're kind of getting. Continue. Just uh, ignore me for a second. Sorry. Okay. I was just like, ah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. And then we see the map table in the main room flickering. Uh, we walk down the hall, and there is a uh, sound following us, kind of a spooky sound. The camera pans up to a grate in a door, and we follow through the, gra- the grate and into Dean's room. <laughs> Hi. Hello. I found a way to sneak up on you. Uh, uh, Dean is lying on his bed. His eyes are closed. He's got his headphones on. We get a close-up of... I don't know what that says. Uh, I think I just didn't write the whole word. Okay, we get a close-up of... I said, hi. We get a close-up of hi face. Uh, We get a close-up of his face. And then the music playing in the headphones suddenly turns to static. Dean's eyes fly open. And then outside his room in the hallway, we hear Dean shout for his brother. He yells, Sam! Also, I would like to ask, like, why he didn't, like, know... Okay, for me, even if my eyes are closed, I feel like you would be able to, like, notice the flickering lights, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, and you don't notice the lots of flickering lights until, like, your music starts getting... Like, maybe he was asleep? I don't know. But he seemed to be jamming, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Um, So, Dean... No, that's not right. Sam (laughs) comes running out of his bedroom. He yells, Dean! Uh, He runs into Dean's bedroom, but it's empty. Uh, The lights in the whole bunker continue to flicker. Sam yells, Dean! And then he hurries into the main room and sees that one of the chairs is spinning on its own. Okay, that's Yuck. weird. Remember that one episode that we did? The um, oh, what was it? The some haunted set. This was like towards the beginning, and there's like that spinning chair. You're like, I'm gonna sit in it, and I'm like, I'm not gonna get you out of that spinning chair. You're gonna stay in that spinning chair. I actually know that that was our very first. <laughs> that episode. was our first one. Yeah. Okay. I, and I remember this because one of uh, the. Uh, one of the moms in my mom squad, she was like, oh, I, I listened to your first episode, and I, like, immediately started nervous sweating, and I was like, why? 
And then I was like, crap. So I like went back and listened to it just yeah. to be like, what did I say? And, uh, and that was, that was yeah. in that one. Yeah. 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 That was actually a, a charming story that we did. We were, we were funny in that, that one moment of that episode. I, I can't, I can't really say that for the rest of the episode, but. I mean, eh, we basically, had no idea what we were doing. We still don't have any idea what we're doing, <laughs> but at least we know that we have no idea what we're doing at this point and we just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I always tell Rochelle like, Hey, we should record, re-record the pilot because it's so different than what it is now. And yeah. I feel like I sound like a valley girl in that episode like, <laughs> so much. Um, but Rochelle thinks that we have a certain charm in that episode. <laughs> I feel, and <clears throat> partially, I don't want to have to re-record any more episodes oh, yeah. that we've already had to fix. But, like, I don't know. I feel like it would be too different. From, it is like, different. You know, yeah, like, I mean, you can... You can tell our kind of like evolution really yeah. so um but yeah that that, that was a, a haunting at some hotel and the the chair is in the basement some, and yeah and it does, i remember it doesn't say anything about like being able to sit in that chair just that that chair is haunted and it's in the basement and yeah. we just like decided that i would sit in it and <laughs> decided that it would start spinning it doesn't say that anywhere in the article about it that it spins around or like it didn't no we no. just decided that <laughs> i would put my butt in it it would lift in it the would, air start spinning and then you would straight up just leave me <laughs> <laughs> if you're dumb enough to sit in the chair you can sit there for however long until it takes you to get out like <laughs> i think if you had a dumb moment and sat on something haunted, I would probably try to help you. Which is, I mean, thank you, but I would not expect you to. <laughs> I'd be like, get yourself out of here. <laughs> no way. I'd be like, bitch, grab my ankle and pull. <laughs> like, get me off of this shit. I mean, like, okay, I guess if I was in the moment, I would probably, like, at least try and, like, grab you out of it. Maybe after I was like, what do I do? After but, we've like, all soiled ourselves? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I think I would eventually try and get you out of it, but, but my initial reaction would be like, back up, back up, get out of here, you know? Yeah. And then, like, if it kept happening, I would probably try and get you out of there, but, like, yeah. I guess it depends on how long the spinning <laughs> Well, if happening. it goes on for too long, you risk getting puked on, because I get motion sick <laughs> quite easily, so the sooner, probably the better, That's the less true. messier, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. No yeah. one wants puke in their hair. Well, now so. that we've discussed it, I feel like I kind of know what to do in this situation, <laughs> where if I was just thrown in there willy-nilly, I'd be like, ah, and like probably like pin myself to a wall somewhere going I don't know what to do you know like, I just be like spinning around going help help me <laughs> somebody get me out of here yeah okay yeah. well anyway. <laughs> anyway you should you should re-listen to the first episode because it is funny to hear us from you know four years yeah. ago and just the how different it is. It's it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Where am I? Okay. Um. Okay. Spinning chair. There we are. Uh, Sam grabs an iron sword from the wall, and we see uh, a ghostly thing slowly walking behind him. Before Sam can swing around, the apparition is blown to bits. Sam whips around, and there is Dean holding a smoking shotgun. Sam says, so. <laughs> Dean says, yep, bunker's haunted. So, and then we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to Sam packing rock salt rounds at the kitchen table. Dean comes into the room. 
He says, how is this possible? I thought you said this is the safest place on the planet. Sam says, look, I know nothing got in. I mean, the bunker is warded and sigiled from top to bottom. There's no way something came in from the outside. Dean says, okay, so whatever's haunting us died here. Sam says, what, dead man of letters? Dean says, no, that isn't track. I mean, we're the first people to occupy this place in 50 years. Why would a ghost wait so long to get its spook on? <laughs> Sam says, must have been a more recent death. Dean says, no. <laughs> Sam says, how can you be so sure? Dean says, because I burned his body myself, okay? It's not him. Sam says, okay, so you cremated him. We cremated Bobby, too, and he came back. Dean says, Sam, I'm telling you, this ghost, it's not Kevin. <laughs> He's like, also, I kind of, it sounds like he doesn't want it to be Kevin. He doesn't, know? yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, the coffee maker next to Dean starts going crazy with, like, lights flashing on and off and the digital clock speeding through different numbers. Sam and Dean stare at it. Sam, speaking to the coffee maker, says, Kevin? <laughs> uh, a coffee mug next to the coffee maker explodes. Dean says, Ugh. Uh, so then we cut to an outdoor funeral and there's a priest talking. He says, we commit her body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust with a clear and certain hope of resurrecting into the eternal life, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Um, he says some more stuff, <laughs> but it's in another language. I wasn't trying to slack there. I think it was. Latin? Maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of like Latin-y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a man walks away, and we follow him as the priest continues on. Um, the man is suddenly grabbed and shoved into a tree by Cass. Cass says, what are you doing here? The man says, please, she was my friend. Cass says, who? The dead human or the angel who was killed while possessing her? The man says, the angel, Rebecca. Cass says, Rebecca had a lot of friends, friends like Metatron. Where is he? The man says, you're looking in the wrong place. Rebecca and Metatron were friends. That was a long time ago. Had no contact since the fall. Naomi, Metatron, heavenly battles, politics. She gave it up. All of it. Rebecca taught us that angels have lost touch with our true mission. Cass says, what do you mean by us? The man says, the penitents, her followers. Cass says, another faction. The man says, well, I guess he's an angel, but I kept writing man. Uh, the, the, main, I mean, the mangel? Yeah. The man angel? The, the, an the mangel? The mangel? It sounds like he's, like, got bald spots and, like, <laughs> uh -huh. mites, you know? Like. <laughs> okay. Poor dude. Okay. <laughs> the mangel says, <laughs> not like the others. We don't make war. We live humbly among these humans. Or we did. He killed all the others. And he killed her. Cass says, who did? The mangel says, who else? The monster. Bartholomew. So we cut back to the bunker kitchen. Uh, Sam is staring at the coffee maker. Mm. Dean comes into the room. He says, anything? Sam says, eh, a couple dings, a little EMF activity, but mostly silence. Dean says, so he's back in the veil. Sam says, I guess so. Fumbling to break through. I mean, you got to figure it took Bobby months to make contact. Dean says, Kevin's only, well, he's new at this. Sam says, right. And he gets up from the, okay. What I just tried to say was he gets up from the table <laughs> and says, 
All right, you're up. <laughs> uh, Sam leaves the room. Dean sits down and stares at the coffee maker. Dean says, Kevin? Kevin. All right, I can't do this. Coffee buzzing, bump in the night crap. I got serious things to say to you, okay? And I'm not going to say them to this. So Dean gets up and turns his back on the coffee maker. He says, Kevin, I'm sorry. You did not choose this life. You busted your ass. You lost everything, everyone you've loved, and your reward, getting killed on my watch. If I, it was on me. It was my fault. And, and did, and I cannot speak. (laughs) (laughs) And then Dean closes his eyes and like tries to keep his shit together. But the lights on the coffee maker start to flicker behind him. Dean says, and there's nothing I can do to make that right. I'm so sorry. Sam rushes back into the kitchen and says, hey, did you see that? The, the lights were... And then Sam stops when he sees, across the room, the ghostly apparition finally starting to take shape. It is Kevin Tran muttering to himself. <laughs> Kevin says, no, this is not happening. Didn't spend months struggling to break through the veil just to get stuck listening to Dean Winchester have a self-pity session. <laughs> Didn't hear enough of those when I was alive. <laughs> Dean says, Kevin? Kevin says, you can see me? Sam, Hot damn. <laughs> Sam says, hey, take it easy, Kevin. You might not hold this form for too long, okay? It, it takes a while. Kevin says, then we should talk fast. Dean says, wait, wait, wait. Why aren't you in heaven? I mean, if anyone deserves an express pass to paradise. Kevin is still kind of flickering in and out. He says, I couldn't. I can't. No one can. Heaven's closed for business. Everyone who's died since the angels fell are just stuck inside the veil waiting. And it's bad in here. Like, DMV lines times infinity bad. Sam says, well, I mean, what can we do? Kevin says, I need a favor. A big one. Sam says, okay. Kevin says, find my mother. Sam says, Kevin. Dean says, Crowley only told you she was alive to mess with you. Kevin says, I'm not going off his word, all right? I have my own sources. It's crowded in the Vale. All of us are stuck near the sites of our death. But I've been able to pass messages spirit to spirit. I made contact with another new arrival. She said she saw my mom just a week ago alive. Dean says, okay, this this spirit that you're playing ghost telephone with, I mean, what do you even know about her? Kevin says, her name's Candy. She says she's in a forest in Wichita. Dean says, Candy? Sam says, that's it? That's all you got? Kevin says, Long-distance communication within the veil, it's not ideal. That's why I need you to go there, summon her, see what else she knows. You say you want to make it right? This is how. And then Kevin flickers away. So we cut to Cass. Uh, He's walking out of the cemetery, but is stopped by two angels with their blades out. Angel number one says, where did your friend go in such a hurry? Cass says, you're too late. He's gone. The angel says, Castiel? And then angel number two says, our boss has been looking for you. So I cut to Sam and Dean walking through the woods by a train trestle. Sam says, all right, that's a trestle. Candy said her spirit was stuck nearby. Dean says, she died here? Sam says, yeah. Dean says, dude, what got her? A bear? (laughs) Sam says, I'm still stuck on the fact that we're trying to summon a ghost named Candy. (laughs) You know, just because Kevin said he heard his mom was alive doesn't mean she... Dean says, hey, we owe it. Uh, (laughs) Dean says, hey, (laughs) we at least owe it to the kid to try, right? Sam says, what did you bring? 
So Dean digs in his his bag and pulls out a radio and hangs it on a nail on a tree. Dean says, well, she's only been dead a week, right? So I figured she could use as much help as she can get. So, and then Dean pulls out the coffee maker from his bag. (laughs) Sam says, really? Dean says, whatever works. So we cut to Cass, angel number one, and angel number two sitting in a waiting room. Cass says, how much longer? (laughs) 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 This is staying forever. I need a snack. (laughs) Um... Angel number two says, you have some place to be. And just then the door swings open and Bartholomew walks in. I just want to say again how much this actor who plays Bartholomew looks like an older Jake Abel. You know, Adam Winchester. Like, incredibly looks. I mean, he just looks like his older brother. I mean, like, 20 years older, sure. But, like, they look the same. I mean, I could see similarities, but I didn't, like, think of that at all while I was watching Every time it. I see him, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Is this Jake Abel in, like, prosthetics? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, um, uh, Bartholomew says, his blade. And angel number two hands it over. Bartholomew says, standard security protocol. Can't be too careful these days. Cass says, hello, Bartholomew. Bartholomew, with a big smile, says, Castiel! And then they hug. (laughs) Bartholomew says, it has been too long. So we cut to Sam and Dean in the forest. It's dark now. They're still waiting for anything to happen. Sam says, you feel that? I think I felt a chill. Dean says, yeah, it's because it's cold. And then Dean dials a number on his phone and waits to leave a message. Dean says, Crowley, it's Dean. Call me when you get this. And he hangs up. Sam says, really, Dean? Dean says, what? (laughs) Sam says, this is your third unanswered voicemail. You ever think maybe he's just not that into you? (laughs) He's being kind of a snarky asshole, but, like, it's it's also kind of funny. Yeah, right. (laughs) Dean says, well, he is our last confirmed link to Mrs. Tran. Yes, he's a flaming douche, but at least we know he's real, which is more than we can say for this candy no-show. Uh, suddenly the radio on the tree buzzes to life and they can hear a woman's voice through the static. The brothers jump up to get close to the radio. Sam says, Candy, are, are you there? Is that you, Candy? <laughs> Candy, through the radio, says, hello? Hello? <laughs> so they cut back to Bartholomew and Cass sitting in the waiting room talking. Bartholomew says, madness, wasn't it? A puny force of 20 behind enemy lines launching an incursion against Raphael and his loyalists. Cass says, it was a calculated risk. Bartholomew says, I thought you'd gone insane, and I questioned your, leaders- your leadership, your, your leader, leader, <laughs> I questioned your leader, husband. Okay. <clears throat> he says, second guessed every step of the campaign, but you were my commander. I held my tongue. I followed orders. Raphael fled. Most of his loyalists, dead or captured, your gambit paid off. You won. Cass says, we won. Bartholomew says, word of your victory spread. You got called back to the garrison. You became the great Castiel, while I stayed behind. Just a grunt. Cass says, you gained a reputation for yourself as well. The captives I left in your care, you tortured and killed them. Bartholomew says, I was ordered to kill those captives. You've been flying solo for so long, you've forgotten that's what angels do. We follow orders. Cass says, not you though, not anymore. Bartholomew says, that's right, I give them. 
so we cut back to Sam and Dean trying to... He, he's got, he's on a power trip. <laughs> he sure is. You can just tell by the power suit. He's losing it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Sam and Dean are trying to adjust the radio buttons to hear Candy better. Sam says, there, there, there. Stop. Candy. Candy says, in the box. They put me in the box. All of us in boxes, side by side. Me, Jerome, Linda. Dean says, Linda. Sam says, Miss Tran, Candy, these boxes, where were they? Candy says, I don't know. They were cold, dark. There there was a vent. We could talk to one another. There was a vent? I know. <laughs> Sam says, okay, and the walls, can you describe them? Candy says, bare, cement, except for the door. That was metal, but like ridged. Dean says, ridged? You mean like corrugated? Candy says, yeah, I tried to lift the door, but I couldn't. Locked from outside. Dean says to Sam, like a storage unit? Sam says, maybe. Candy, who was holding you there? Candy says, two men. It was so dark in the box. When they came in, I could barely see. The The first guy was British, I think. Kind of short. Loved hearing himself talk. <laughs> Sam says, Crowley. And Even what... in death, he's known for running his mouth. Yep. You know? <laughs> Sam says, and what did they want? Candy says, said I was worth more alive than dead. But he stopped coming. Then it was just the other guy. We thought it was just him. We tried to escape. I ran so hard, so far, but... Sam says, Candy? Candy, are you there? What about Miss Tran? Candy? Candy says, I don't know. Maybe she survived. Dean says, maybe. That's not what you told her son. Candy says, I said she was alive. I don't know what happened after. For her sake, I hope she's dead. And then we cut to Mrs. Tran... Uh, scraping at her chain that's attached to her with a file. Uh, suddenly the storage door opens and she jumps back screaming as a shadowy figure walks in. She screams, no, 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 no. And I gotta say, that was kind of upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like seeing her like that. No. Genuinely terrified. Yeah. Not her normal. Not just like snarky sassy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was upsetting to see that. Yeah. So we cut to the boys driving down a road in the Impala. Sam says, okay, there are three storage facilities nearby. The closest one is about a mile up the road. Oh, and I uh, dug some stuff up on Candy. Turns out she was the kept woman of a powerful congressman. Gossip blog said he worshipped the ground she walked on. Literally. He uh, had a foot fetish. <laughs> I just don't understand feet. I hate feet. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. I work on them a lot, and they're usually pretty disgusting. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say usually. Well, I, I'll say usually. <laughs> yeah. Pretty gross. Feet are, like, feet are gross. They do gross things, you yeah. know? And they get they get stuffed into socks and shoes and sweat, and, like, it's just, yeah. it's not... They usually don't smell good. They're usually covered in fuzz or dirt or something, yeah. you know? Like, I just don't understand the foot thing, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think, like, it's only, like, you know, fetish-worthy when they're, like, freshly manicured and clean and pretty. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't oh, think I'm just sure, like... Yeah. I mean, hopefully. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think like toe lint is, you know, what the foot fetish that is ain't about. That cute. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I don't know nothing. Have yeah. That. yeah, I don't have a foot fetish, but that's what I assume. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so um, Dean says, so Crowley was holding the beloved tootsies of a powerful politician. Sam says, and the beloved mother of a powerful prophet. Dean says, human leverage. But why kill Candy? 
Sam says, well, you heard her. Uh, she tried to make a break for it. Maybe Crowley wanted to make an example. Dean says, no, no. The guy left in charge. Uh, Crowley wanted the victims alive. Sam says, so, what, you want to give a medal? Give him a medal? <laughs> I mean, Crowley's the one who put them in the cells in the first place. Dean says, yeah, I know. I'm just talking it out. You know, working the case. Business-like. He's so bitter. <laughs> I know. Sam rolls his eyes. So we cut back to Bartholomew and Cass still talking while walking around Bartholomew's facility. Bartholomew says, realizing they were more trouble than they were worth, we purged our human allies, then commandeered Boyle Ministries, Inc. for our own use. Cass says, buddy Boyle. So you killed him. Bartholomew says, no, we made him and his colleagues vessels. At least those who didn't go pop. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but anyway, Bartholomew says, you nervous, Castiel? Cass says, your followers want me dead. I'm not entirely certain you don't, too. Bartholomew says, if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Cass says, so we're friends here. Bartholomew says, yes. Cass says, and I'm free to go. Bartholomew says, of course, though I don't know why you would. What's out there for you, Castiel? What do you really expect to accomplish on your own? You'll never find Metatron that way. Cass says, how do you know about Metatron? He's a manipulator. I know, right? <laughs> Bartholomew says, I figured that's why you were pursuing Rebecca, engaging with her follower. We have different methods, Cass, but we want the same thing, to find Metatron and restore our kind to heaven. Cass says, then why kill Rebecca and her followers? They're no threat to you. Bartholomew says, perhaps, but better to nip a fledgling, a fledgling faction in the bud <laughs> than let it grow into a bigger threat down the road. A drop of blood to save a gallon. Cass says, I don't agree. Bartholomew says, I'm not asking you to. I will outrace Malachi in the hunt for Metatron, and I will certainly outrace you on your own. But if you can set aside your qualms about methods for one second, then there's no reason the two of us can't take them down together. So we cut to Dean and Sam uh, entering a storage facility office. Uh, the front desk is empty of personnel. Dean says to Sam, let me guess, 5'5", five, five, pasty white, black rimmed hipster glasses, just like the last place. <laughs> Ding rings the bell, and a guy named Dell, uh, exactly matching Dean's description, <laughs> pops into the room to help him. Dean mm -hmm. says, very smugly, nailed it. <laughs> I got your number. Yep. <laughs> Dell says, can I help you? Dean says, yeah, hi, Agents Nixon Mc McVie? McVie? McVIE. McVIE? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. He says, need to take a look at your uh, rental records. Dell says, uh, my manager's not here. I really don't think I should. But Dean holds up his fake badge and says, hey, the records, pal. Mm -hmm. Dell says, yeah, Barry, bring out the rental binder. So Barry walks out holding a large binder in his hands. He also fits Dean's storage unit attendant description perfectly. <laughs> and Sam and Dean exchange a amused look. Uh, Barry hands the binder to Dean. Dell says, there you go, sir. And then as Dean looks through the binder, Sam walks over to a map of the storage facility that's hanging on the wall. Sam says, hey, okay, check it out. Corridor Q. Three adjacent units separate from the others. I mean, Candy said there were three hostages, right? Dean says, yeah. He finds the records in the binder and says, okay, it's all leased by the same guy, a D. Webster. Sam says, D. Webster. Wait, as in like 
Daniel Webster? I don't know who Daniel Webster is. Who's Daniel Webster? I don't know. Okay. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dean says, well, I know a lame Crowley in joke when I see one. Del says, "You did you guys say D. Webster? Dean says, yeah, yeah, you seen him? Del says, uh, no, just I know his name from the records. He's leasing another unit on the other side of the facility. I could show you. Dean says, yeah, that'd be great. And then to Sam, he says, all right, why don't you take quarter Q? I'll go with uh, Del the funky homo sapien. <laughs> okay, his, I don't really call that look funky, but well, that's fine. Uh, I mean... Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> that's fine, yeah. So we cut to Dean and Del going into another storage unit. Dean slowly walks through it. He picks up a scythe and looks it over. He says, hmm... And then we cut to Sam. Kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cut to Sam walking down corridor Q. He picks the lock on the last unit. As the door opens, Mrs. Tran inside shrinks away in fright. Sam rushes over to her. He says, Mrs. Tran, Mrs. Tran. Hey, hey, it's me. It's Sam. It's Sam. Mrs. Tran says, Sam? Sam says, oh my gosh. <laughs> Mrs. Tran says, Sam, we have to get out of here before it comes back. Is Kevin with you? Sam looks very upset. Like, um, <laughs> oh no, I didn't no, think about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I should have come up with an answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we cut to Dean, who is still roaming the storage unit. Uh, and then we cut to Dell, who is whistling. Or, no, that's not right. He is not whistling. He is watching. A little <laughs> different. Uh, Dell is watching Sam and Mrs. Tran on his phone through their unit's security camera. He closes and locks the door using his phone, trapping Sam and Mrs. Tran inside. So we cut back to Dean. Dean says... Little bastard. I know. You motherfucker. <laughs> Dean says, uh, you sure this is the one leased by Webster? Dell said, yeah, this is it. Dean reads a name on a box that says Bob Gunderson. He says, this isn't Crowley's unit. Then Dell pulls a knife out of his belt and knocks Dean unconscious from behind. At least it's Dean this time. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say that, but, like, uh, but usually still, it's Sam. Yeah. <laughs> He's always getting knocked <clears throat> out. I know, right? <laughs> so we cut to Cass and Bartholomew uh, going into an office with a large map on the wall that has dots all over it. Cass says, what are these locations? Bartholomew says, sightings of Metatron. Cass says, He's been on Earth? Bartholomew says, three times we know of so far. That's the benefit of a massive ground operation. Eyes and ears everywhere. It's only a matter of time before we get an active location. Cass says, why wait? With this kind of information, I'd lure him out. Bartholomew says, I knew you'd be an asset. No one's as motivated as you to take him down. I've had my hands so full with the factions. It's distracted me from the real goal. But with you by my side, the new boss and the ultimate rebel working together, think of the message that was sent to would-be dissidents. They'd finally understand that resistance is futile. And okay, Star Trek. I mean, that is very specifically that's Star Wars. That's isn't it? Star Trek. No, resistance is futile. That is totally Star Trek. I know that for sure. Yes, that's Star they Trek. They must have it in Star Wars too, because I've never watched Star Trek and I was immediately like, I know they have that in Star Wars. Well, I have watched Star Wars. Is it like a Look I think it up. it's a Darth Vader thing in Star Wars anyways. I think I'm it's sure a, it's in both, but I like I think it's a isn't it like a Borg thing and start? Will you look it up? I don't like, know. Yeah, going? I'm okay. Because <laughs> that's that's interesting if they Resistance both have it. Is futile. Okay, is. I'm I'm gonna keep going. Okay, Bartholomew go says, it. "Think of the bloodshed we could avert. What a united angel kind could accomplish in heaven, elsewhere." 
Uh, the doors open and angel number one and angel number two drag in the angel from the funeral. Bartholomew kneels and puts an angel blade to his throat. Cass says, Bart, what are you doing? Bartholomew says, what needs to be done? I'm going to torture the rebel, find out what he knows, and then kill him. And you're going to help. Did you find out some shit? Um, kind mm-hmm. of? What'd you find? Uh, so, it, I am finding something about Star Trek. I, I know um, it is, yeah. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out if they also say it in Star Wars, because, like, I don't know why I would, like, know that, because I haven't seen Star Trek, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said um, that your dad watched a lot, so... Maybe that's just... Growing up, yeah, yeah but, like, so. I literally didn't pay any attention to it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I completely tuned it out. Yeah, it says, <laughs> Star Trek uses resistance is futile as the catchphrase of the Borg. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm, like, super excited that I remember that. Okay. Okay, I'm going to keep going. You let me know if you find oh, the yeah. stars. <laughs> okay. Uh, where was I? Okay, we cut back to Sam. He removes Mrs. Tran's shackles with his Swiss Army knife. Sam says, here we go. All right. Mrs. Tran rubs her wrists and says, oh, there's a, an electrical line leads to the control panel. So Sam pops off the cover and a buttload of wires falls out. He says, okay, this might take a while. Uh, Mrs. Tran takes the Swiss army knife away from Sam and starts to work on the wires. She says, we have to unplug the ground wire first. If this is standard U.S. color coding, it should be the green one. Sam says, okay. <laughs> Mrs. Tran says, helping Kevin with his engineering club assignments. I picked up a thing or two. I'm sure he insisted, but I trust you weren't foolish enough to bring Kevin along on this mission. That you left him someplace safe? Sam says very quietly, of course. Mrs. Tran says, good. Now all we have to do to get this door open, get the hell out of here, and you will bring me to my son. Sam, like, can't take it anymore, so he gently takes her hand. He says, listen, Mrs. Tran... He meets her eyes, and she understands that Kevin is dead. No longer. Yep. Uh, she starts to break down and then totally gets her shit together. She goes back to working on the wires. She says... She's like, I can focus on this right now. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> she says, you will take me to my son. Flashlight. Flashlight! <laughs> Give me the flashlight! Give me the yeah. fucking flashlight! <laughs> or whatever. Okay. So Sam raises the flashlight to light the box. Uh, we cut back to Dean. He regains consciousness on the floor. The first thing he sees when he opens his eyes is uh, dead Barry. That was the other uh, receptionist dude, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Bleeding from his slashed throat into a bowl that Dell is muttering over. Dell says, trust me, uh, you definitely want to be part of this. Uh, a chance to get in on the ground floor of my operation. A real learning experience. Oh, no. I sing this all wrong. Okay, I'm going to start over. <laughs> Dell says, trust me, he says, you definitely want to be part of this. A chance to get in on the ground floor of my operation. A real learning experience. Consider it a stepping stone, my lad. Like an internship. Should have known. Internships suck. Dean painfully sits up and realizes that his hands are tied behind him to a post. Um, Dean says, so, you're the one. You're the one Crowley left in charge. Dell says, yeah, what a privilege. Feeding the apes, hosing the floors, washing out the honey buckets, and for zero credit. Like, this is great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> the boss, MIA. As Dell monologues, uh, Dean slowly moves his right leg up, and we can see Ruby's knife sticking out into his boot. Dean pulls out his bonds, trying to get his hands free. Dell says, too important to show for work or even return my calls. And you know the worst part? 
I wasn't even allowed to kill anyone. I was told to protect them. I mean, how sick is that? Am I not a young, vital demon with basic demon needs and rights? And when I call Crowley to inform him that I've single-handedly caught the Winchesters, if he even answers my call, think I'll get a thank you? Ha! Dean says... He's bitter. Yeah, he is. Dean says, yeah, you're right, kid. He won't give you credit. If anything, he'll be pissed. Del says, what? Dean says, well, me... Uh, well, me and Crowley, we're, we're tight now. Thick as thieves. Saw him just last month. We uh, had a grand old time. Del says, so, that's where he's been. Out partying with humans. With hunters? Will I languish here in this go-nowhere, no-killed joke of a job? Dean says, well, partying is a bit of an exaggeration. Del says, this job blows. He rips off his name tag and declares, I quit. <laughs> so we cut to Bartholomew torturing the funeral angel. Bartholomew says, tell me where they are. The funeral angel says, I told you, they're dead. I'm the last. Cass says, can't you see he's telling the truth? He's done. Bartholomew says, yes, I believe he is. And he holds out the angel blade to Cass. He says, now finish him off. Cass says, Bartholomew, it doesn't need to be like this. Bartholomew says, Castiel, get your head out of the sand. Do you know why they brought you back from the battlefield? The truth? Cass says, yes, I know the truth. Bartholomew says, our leaders wanted those captives killed, and they knew you'd stand in the way of that order. Said you didn't have it in you, that you couldn't do what needed to be done. But I know different. I know you've changed. Cass says, I am not a murderer. Bartholomew says, you weren't, not then, but since then, you've slaughtered thousands of angels. You killed, you, <laughs> you killed Malachi's man for his grace. Cass says, who I was, what I did, that is not who I am. Bartholomew says, no, then who are you? I want to work with you, Castiel, but I need proof. They need proof that they were wrong, that you can do what has to be done. This has to be done. Cass says, I was never free to leave. My only choice was to obey or be killed. You tricked me. I know. <laughs> he says, well, mm -hmm. I choose. And Cass hands the angel blade back to Bartholomew. Bartholomew says, I am truly sorry to hear that. And then Bartholomew swings around and stabs funeral angel in the heart. He angel light flashes and then dies. Cass says, no. So we cut back to Dean and Dell in the storage unit. Dell is straddling Dean on the floor <laughs> and holding a knife to his throat. Dell says, do you know how long it's been since I've done this? I thank you for reminding me what I truly am. And Dell like kind of digs the knife into Dean's throat right before or right below his right ear and drags it an inch or two. Blood kind of seeps out of the gash. That would not feel good. Nope. Dell then raises the knife and goes to stab Dean in the heart. But just then Sam raises the door and rushes at Dell. Dean kicks him away, and Sam knocks him against a shelf. Uh, we cut back to Barty and Cass. <laughs> Barty. <laughs> Bar Barty says, as your refusal makes perfectly clear, you always thought you were better than me. Shall we put your superiority to the test once and for all? Then Barty punches Cass in the mouth twice. Cass says, turd. I know, right? Come on. Cass says, no. Angels fighting angels has to stop somewhere. Might as well stop with me. Barty picks up an angel blade and says, fine. And he goes for Cass, but Cass is able to grab his arm. 
Angel number one and two try to help, but Barty says, stand down. This is between me and the rebel. Cass does like a trick move. Big mad. <laughs> I know. Cass does like a trick move and suddenly has Barty in a headlock with his angel blade to his throat. Barty says, to the victor, do it. But Cass lets him go and says, no. Barty says, what are you now, a penitent? Cass says, I'm nothing. Barty says, you never did understand, Castiel. There can be no peace without bloodshed. Barty draws another angel blade and goes for Cass again. Cass wrestles with him and finally stabs Barty, killing him dead. D-E-D. Dead. dead. (laughs) Cass goes to leave, but one of the hench angels blocks the door. Cass says, let me pass. Angel number one and angel number two move out of his way. So we cut back to the boys. Del is on his knees in front of them. Um, Del says, do it. Kill me. Sam says, no, we're saving you for someone else. Del says, Crowley. Sam says, much worse. Sam holds his knife out and Mrs. Tran walks into the room. Dean says, do the honors, Mrs. Tran. I know, right? (laughs) Mrs. Tran says, with pleasure. Del says, hey, lady, I swear, I was just following or... But Mrs. Tran stabs him in the heart. And then she says to the boys, take me to my son. So we cut to some time later. Sam and Dean walk through the main room in the bunker. Dean says, Kevin, you here? Kev? Kev appears and says, well? Dean says, we got her. She's alive. She's here. But we wanted to give you a moment to, you know, process. Kevin says, oh, I, uh... Does she know? And then Mrs. Tran comes up behind Kevin and says, Kevin? Hello, son. Kevin says, hey, mom. And then Miss Tran starts to cry. So we cut to a short time later. Mrs. Tran and Dean are going through Kevin's things. Dean says, so this is a, this is all of it. You know, hunter's tools, notebooks, papers, pencils, PSAT results. Perfect score. Way to go, kid. <laughs> He's this like, is, I don't know what to do in this situation. Yeah. So, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> right. Mrs. Tran takes a ring out of a box and says, this. This is it. His father's. Mr. Tran died when Kevin was a baby. It's the only piece of his father Kevin ever had. If Kevin's spirit's bound to some object here, this is it. Dean says, listen, Miss Tran, there's a lot we don't know about this heaven situation. There are risks to taking Kevin home with you. Now, spirits, the longer they're in the veil... Well, they have a way of... Well, it doesn't end up well. You go a little bonkers. They go crazy. Yeah, and angry. <laughs> Miss Tran says, he's my son. It's my job to keep him safe for as long as I can. Dean nods. Um, we cut to Cass. He is standing in a cemetery talking to the grave of Darlene Foster. He says, sorry I created this chaos. Sorry I couldn't do more to fix it. You may have lost the war, Rebecca, but you tried a new way. You have my respect for that. A hand drops onto Cass's shoulder. It's angel number one. Cass says, I don't want to fight, but I will if I have to. And you saw how it worked out for the last guy. Yeah, like, right. Let's not today. Yep. Angel number one says, I didn't come to fight. When I fell, I thought I had no choice. But yesterday, you've shown me that there is a choice. And I choose you. Cass says, I'm sorry. I'm no leader. Angel number one says, yes, you are. If you will have me, Castile, I will follow you. And I am not the only one. Then more angels walk up to join them. Uh, we cut back to the bunker. Kevin is talking to the boys at the foot of the stairs. Kevin says, she was held and tortured for a year because of me. 
Now that I found her, I'm not letting her out of my sight. She's my responsibility. Sam says, and you were ours and we failed you. Kevin says, Sam, I know that wasn't you. Go put a blade in that asshat who possessed you and we'll call it square. Sam nods gratefully and Kevin says, guys, thank you. Dean says, you can thank us when we get you to heaven where you belong. Okay, until then, enjoy your time with your mom. The uh, uninterrupted, 24-7, <laughs> no escape, quality time. Good luck! <laughs> Kevin smiles and says, dick. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Like, I love my mom, but, like, why, why, why yeah. are you reminding me of all this? <laughs> yep. Kevin says, hey, before I go, will you guys promise me something? Dean says, yeah. Sam says, anything. Kevin says, can you two get over it? <laughs> Dudes, just because you couldn't see me doesn't mean I couldn't see you. The drama, the fighting, it's stupid. My mom's taking home a ghost. You two, you're both still here. Sam says, of course, promise. Dean says, yeah. Kevin says, good. And then Kevin and Mrs. Tran walk up the stairs and out the front door. Dean watches them go. Dean, as he's turning around, says to Sam, well, that was... But Sam has already left the room. Like an ass butt. I know, right? God. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, okay. Uh, so Dick. I know. <laughs> we see Sam walking through the hallway to his room. He pauses at the door, uh, but then opens it and closes it behind him. Dean goes into his own room and lays back down on the bed. He turns on his music and puts his headphones back on. Uh, and I, I wrote here, so moody. <laughs> Cause yeah. <laughs> I know. And credits. <laughs> That's just going to get worse and worse. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So my only two thoughts is that, well, the first one being, I don't remember any of this episode. Oh, I did. Like, I watched the whole thing and I was like, none of this is familiar. Like, and I don't know if this is one of the random ones that, like, as I was watching it and, like, because I do remember when I first started watching this anyways, um, I was watching it at my apartment and would, like, or my apartment at the time. Yeah. And would be, like, you know, making dinner or doing dishes and, like, then I'd get distracted and, you know, right, yeah. whatever. And so, like, did I miss this episode? It's very possible, but, like because I don't remember any of it. Um, also, probably because I don't remember this episode and may or may not have seen it, I, like, I knew that Cass was, like, in the little angel army or whatever, but, like, I did not remember that he was, like, a commander, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. Yeah. Like, um, it was kind of an odd thing for me. I was like, wait. You know, like, you knew he was, like, powerful, but it, I didn't know, like, mm -hmm. how much, you know? Yeah. The only thing I really remember from this episode is that, like... Kevin being like, hey, go find my mom. I don't remember, yeah. like, how yeah. that he had that information. Um, I do remember, Mrs. like, like shots of Mrs. Tran, like, locked up and screaming at whoever's coming in the room. Yeah. Um, because that was... I mean, that's distra dist distracting? It's distracting. It's, <laughs> but I mean, it's, also. <laughs> it's really disturbing to see this woman with such a, like, strong, like, I'm a fuck you up yeah. personality to be, being, like, like, cowering in a corner. So you know? scared. Yeah. yeah. So I remember that really just being like, oh, and that stuck out in my mind. But other yeah. than that, like, I remember the scene where, like, Cass is, like, talking to angel number one or whatever, and mm -hmm. the angel's like, I'm gonna follow you. Mm -hmm. And then all the other angels come up and be like, we are here to be your army or whatever. Yeah. But, like, that's all I remembered from this episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, like, surprisingly, usually I'm, like, I'll have little, like, 
oh, I think I kind of maybe remember this. And, like, this whole episode, I was like, nope, nothing. You know? Like, That's so funny. I don't yeah. Know. Like, and it's very possible that I, like, saw it and just, like, don't remember, but, like, you yeah. know, I don't know. Like, none of it sounded familiar, so. Yeah. I mean, I remember Kevin haunting the bunker, but I thought that happened for, like, a few episodes before they, like, figured it out or he was able to, like, you, know, or, you know, be or just be visible to them. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. I'm, I'm kind of glad nothing. that it's just, like, <laughs> one episode, because that could have been, like, really sad, you know? Yeah, for a long time. It was already really sad, but, yeah. 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 More sad for more time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I really like this episode, to be honest with you. I uh, um, I enjoyed the end part where Dean is, like, you know, reminding Kevin that, like, hey, you're with your mom now. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, you probably don't sleep. Yeah. You're with her from now on, your yeah. mother. Good luck. And, yeah. and Kevin's like, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I guess I'm just going to go with that because yeah. most of this episode wasn't. Wasn't that, I don't know, funny, yeah. happy, inspiring. Yeah, there are yeah. moody moments, but they're like bitchy Sam moments as opposed yeah. to like, you know, it, like moving emotional stuff. I mean, the yeah. stuff with Mrs. Tran and Kevin, sure, but yeah. like that just kind of made me want to cry and I don't yeah. really like those kind of parts. So, yeah. 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 What was your favorite moment? Um, I did like the, you know, forever part. Yeah. Um, my other moment that I kind of liked was the... I mean, and I know Sam was just being a dick, but at the beginning where he's like, you ever think he's just not that into you? you yeah, know? like, like that I was just kind of like, okay, like, you're being an asshole, but also that was pretty funny. Yeah, you know, like, yeah that was so. Funny. That was, yeah. I remember, you know, that's a book, right? He's not that into you? I think so. Yeah. Wasn't it like a movie or something, too? Yeah, so, or, so it was yeah. a book. It's actually a self-help book um, okay. that came out, and it's written by, I can't remember the author's names, but um, I think it was like like talk show hosts or like something like that or like yeah. a you know a counselor on like a talk show for like relationshipy mm-hmm. stuff yeah and it really is um it's it's kind of an awesome book because i mean every single person i've ever known has needed to read this book at some point <laughs> in their life yeah. you know and um and i i've needed it at points too to be honest with you but like yeah. it, it's like it's just like little like this chapter is like and they're very short chapters mm-hmm. like if he is not dating you yeah he's not that into you yeah <laughs> If you're confused about his feelings for you, he's not that into you. Yeah. <laughs> if he's dating someone else, he's not he's, that into it's you. It's really like fucking obvious stuff. And yeah. like, you shouldn't have to like read that to know it, but like, yeah. everyone needs to at some point, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, honestly, like, it's a really blunt, kind of mm-hmm. funny book. Yeah. And it was like so popular. I mean, because yeah. I worked in the bookstore when yeah. it came out. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like a bestseller mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like a joke. And then they made kind of like that romantic comedy movie about it. But like the book's not a romantic comedy. It's like yeah. a, hey, dumbass. Like, yeah, like if he only calls you. Your time yeah. on somebody that doesn't like you. If he <laughs> only calls you when he's drunk, he's not that into you. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, that's one that I needed, you know, yeah. to know. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's yeah. all, yeah, it's. I feel like Obvious shit, teenagers like, need that specifically. I wish because, that it was like, just teenagers. But oh, like, no. But, like, <laughs> I mean, at least in my experience, like, because you're like, oh, this guy is so cute. Mm-hmm. Like, does he like me? Does he not? Like, you know, and, like, that would have, sa- like, saved a lot of, like, angst if it's like, oh, yeah. hey, stupid, you're hormonal, you don't realize these things, yeah. like... 
he doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, as much and as, like... here's all the ways why he doesn't like you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as much as we kind of, like, ended up as booksellers, like, making fun of that book, just yeah. because, like, you're on the bestsellers for years. Yeah. Like, same thing with, like, mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight. Yeah. Like, we're gonna make fun of you. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. But, like, yeah. but, like, that book, honestly, like... like it's legit, though. <laughs> it's legit. And yeah. everybody I have ever known has needed a, a chapter in that book at some point. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you'll probably get to that realization on your own, but, yeah. like, sometimes that can take years. Yeah. And, like, you don't need to, really. No. Like, so... 30 seconds to read it, you know? Like, yeah, like, so, like, I actually do really approve of that book, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Anyway, yeah. yeah okay. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, our interesting facts from this episode, uh, it says, at the storage unit, Dean identifies Sam and him- and himself as Agents Nix and McVie. McVie? McVie? Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't decide. <laughs> um, both Stevie Nix and Christine McVie, or Vi, or whatever it is, um, are female singers in the band Fleetwood Mac, and John McVie, or Vi, plays bass in the band. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I'll Stevie Nicks, but that's it, really, from yeah. Fleetwood Mac, so. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, I know of the band, I couldn't tell you, I mean, I'm sure I know some of their songs, but, you like, know I that, like, Landslide song. Oh, yeah. That's okay, been covered okay, yeah. a thousand times, but. Yeah, yeah, I know the Dixie Chicks version, version yeah. of that, although they're not called the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're just the Chicks now. Just I the think. chicks, yeah, which is weird to me. Eh, like, well, they. I just like think of little baby chickens. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm like, this is weird. You know, yeah. like, fluffy okay. little yellow things. You know. Yeah. But I get why yeah. they changed their name. I get it. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's just That's like okay. confusing for me because yeah. I like that was like the band. Well, not the band, but like one of the bands that I listened to like all growing up, mm-hmm. and so like, it's weird. It's like how the Puyallup Fair will always be. The Puyallup Fair. That's it right. is not the Washington State Fair. I'm sorry. It is the Puyallup Fair. I you know. know like, <laughs> yeah. You know, the Super Mall will always, in fact, be the Super Mall, yeah, not and, the outlet collection. I know. You know like, I agree <laughs> with you. Even like, even like, well, all the other malls have changed their names too. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. South Center is like the Tequila something. I think or it's other, Westfield. Or Westfield. Yeah. But it's that's like, like a. That's like a. Like a brand, not a brand. What is it? What do you call that? Of like shopping centers. Like, it's like there's a chain. like, yeah, there yeah. you go. There's like a Westfield shopping center in every. That's just like the owners of the, yeah. or the company that owns the, those malls. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But still, like, it's South Center. Yeah. <laughs> you I know don't it is. tell me anything it's different. It's still on South Center Parkway yeah. or <laughs> Boulevard or whatever it is right yeah. there. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um,. Uh, okay, so it says, uh, the song Dean is listening to with headphones, uh, while laying in bed is Lonely as the Night from Billy Squire's, uh, 1981 Don't Say No album. Um, know nothing about any of that, but... No, me okay. neither. Um, <laughs> it says, in the storage facility, Sam asks D. Uh, Webster, uh, what, as in Daniel Webster? Um, Daniel Webster is the main character in a Stephen Vincent ben- Bennett? Benet? Bennett? short story, uh, The Devil and Daniel Webster, about a farmer who sells his soul to the devil and the lawyer who represents him. I do not know that story or book or author. No? Hmm. That's interesting. Doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Yeah, huh. Um, it, (laughs) this is weird. It says, even though Kevin is a ghost, he still has a shadow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They did not cut that out then. (laughs) That's okay. That's funny. Um... Uh, it says, uh, this episode, interestingly, uh, shares its title with Ryan Reynolds' December 2014 movie, Captives. Um, both the movie and this episode are about a person who is held captive. 
Go figure. Go figure. Okay. <laughs> um, it says, Crowley's captives are kept in storage units at Castle Storage, um, based on the logo seen at the empl- or on the employee's shirts in Wichita. Um, John Winchester uh, kept a hidden storage unit full of hunter's weapons, supernatural objects, and souvenirs from Dean and Sam's youth at another Castle Storage outside Buffalo, uh, which the brothers discover in Season 3. Mm-hmm. So... There's also a body count of five. <laughs> so that's that. Um, so our research from this week is haunted storage units of the world. I like it. And this is uh, or the five most haunted storage units of the world. Excuse okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> there are other lesser hauntings. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, and this is off of blueboxstorage.com. Uh, okay, so the first one, it says Paddington Hospital. Every time I think of Paddington, I think of the bear. I know, me too. And I can't think of that as being scary, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) um, So it says, this particular storage unit was built next to what used to be the Paddington Paddington Greens Children's Hospital. Um, Built in 1883, the hospital took care of seriously ill children who couldn't wait for or wouldn't survive until a GP appointment was available. Um, It wasn't a happy place, and lots of different wings were added on over the years. Um, But just 10 years after it opened, there was a major outbreak of diphtheria in the hospital. Um, In order to try and contain it, several of the extended buildings were demolished, and eventually the hospital was moved to a new location. Um, Now, the main building has been repurposed for business use, including a self-storage facility. Um, But the ghosts of the past haven't stayed quiet. Uh, Several staff and customers have reported seeing children walking down the halls on their own, only to vanish a second later. Um, there have also been sightings of children standing at the top of stairs and staring into security cameras, but there was never anyone there when the staff went to check. Uh-huh, Just like creepy. staring you down through the security camera. Yeah. No thanks. You yeah, know, like, that makes me sad. That sounds awful. That sounds awful. Also, like, <laughs> children hauntings just make me sad. Yeah. I mean, like, well, obviously, animal hauntings make me sad, too. Yeah. But there's not as many of those, though. There's not. Yeah, you don't hear about that very often. No. But. Mm-mm. Um, uh, this is Sheffield. Um, it says many self-storage facilities are built on the remains of older sites, which is why a lot of paranormal activity tends to happen in them. Um, one storage facility in Sheffield, a storage facility was built on the remains of an old cinema. That was kind of a weird thing, but Sheffield was built over an old cinema. Okay. (laughs) Um, over the years, various people have reported seeing Mr. Porter, an old man who worked at that cinema in the facility. He's been seen going into bathrooms, sweeping floors, and even operating a projector in the old projector room, despite the fact that the room has been empty for years. Hmm. That would suck to be, like, a ghost just, like, sweeping the floor for (laughs) eternity. Like, a ghost janitor, you know? Just clean up, you know? It's sad. So the next one is Bristol's Ashton Gate. Um, It says the site of Bristol's Ashton Gate storage facility was once a bonded warehouse famous for storing shipments of tobacco. Uh, Nine stories high with huge loading doors on every level, uh, the grade two listed building was the perfect place to start up a storage business, but it had a somewhat grisly past. Uh, Thanks to the low standards of health and safety in 1919, uh, dozens of workers met their deaths uh, by falling from the loading doors or from cranes and hoists loading cargo. Um, In modern times, customers have reported hearing the sounds of klaxons. I don't know what that is. I think that's like a type of horn, isn't it? I don't know. Um, And quitting bells echoing through the corridors. So some sort of like... 
I don't I don't know like including Bella's reminder but... sound you know yeah, yeah. right <laughs> um they tried following them to their source but every time you get close the source of the sound changes to somewhere else in the building <laughs> figures yeah <laughs> actually no yeah <laughs> Um, the next one is London Bridge. It says, on the historic site under the London Bridge arches, you can find a uniquely placed storage unit. Uh, before the unit was installed, these arches used to be, uh, home to small dwellings and homeless camps where diseases like tuberculosis were rife. Um, the area was almost destroyed completely in the World War II bombings and was restored to the beautiful site you see today. But the past has brought back some pretty grisly memories. The most chilling happened at the end of a shift when a customer and manager were alone in the facility. The customer was closing up her unit and heard a woman crying from inside one of the locked units. Worried that someone had locked themselves inside, which is, I mean, Yeah, fair. I'm sure um, that happens, yeah. Yeah, she fetched the manager who heard the cries and ran to fetch some bolt cutters. When, she, when, the lo- uh, when they broke the lock, the crying stopped and the unit was completely empty. Ooh, that's fucked up. Yuck. <laughs> I don't oh, like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last one is Romford. Um, it says, as a, or at a flagship storage location in Romford, I don't know where that is, um, mm-hmm. it says, facility managers had been hearing complaints from the customers about something running through the corridors, rattling padlocks and moving things. Uh, staff had found torches placed on their desks um, while no one was in the building. And by torches... That's My probably flashlight. flashlights, yeah. I would mm-hmm. assume, because yeah. this, I mean, it seems like these, these are... These are all in Britain, I think. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, no one was in the building, um, and customers uh, had been reporting people messing around, despite the fact that no one else was in the building. Uh, one day, a manager was working at uh, working a closing shift and was locking the facility when they heard a padlock rattling, and when he turned around, nothing was there. Every time he turned his back, the padlock would rattle. <laughs> uh, you're getting fucked <laughs> like, with. Hey, hey, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, he asked out loud for the pres or er, for the presence to rattle the lock while he watched, and the lock rattled and moved before his eyes. Oh my god! Um, when he looked at the security camera, he could see a blurry figure standing next to him in the footage, despite no one being there. Ooh, that's a good story. No, thank you. <laughs> I like that one. That is super creepy. Yeah. Don't like it. So uh, that's our research. <laughs> um, what was your idiot or ass that moment from this week? Okay, so um, I think I said in the last episode that we recently had a trip to Rhode Island to um, go to Eric's grandpa's memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, we were there for, you know, a week and a half or whatever. But there were some days, you know, before and after the actual Memorial Day mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, family was coming over. We were going to see family. And yeah. it was just a lot of, you know. A lot of people around. A lot of, <laughs> and related. And, yeah. and, you know, mourning, you know, grandpa. But also, like, the, you know, having fun together and yeah. playing with Killian and eating and mm-hmm. having a good time. And when I was packing for this trip, um, I, uh, well... You know, I I am a different size now than I was last summer. So um, the clothes, like, I was like, cool, cool, cool. Like, I got clothes to wear, you mm-hmm. know, because it's just going to be, like, 60, 65 degrees there. Yeah. And then, like, two days, you know, before the trip, you know, I realized, oh, like, there's going to be some 90-degree days. Yeah. And <laughs> I should have was, something to wear. <laughs> that was a whole different wardrobe, you yeah. know? And, like, Eric and Killian... 
both have clothes, you know, in the right size for that weather, but I did not, you know, I've, yeah. I've lost some weight and I like, I'm sure, I mean, I've been this weight before. I do have those clothes, but where yeah. are they? I don't know. They're yeah. probably in the garage. No, one, no one's got time for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like my garage is organized or accessible really. So yeah. I was like, I am fucked. Like I have to like <laughs> search through like a lot of shit to find like anything that's going to be weather appropriate, yeah. you know, at this point, like, I don't even care. Like I have to pack, like what's yeah. going to fit me. Like, like I don't I do. know. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like, so I was, I was really stressed and I, I, you know, I found a couple t-shirts. I'm like, this is great. This is going to be fine. Like they have washing machines. Like it's no big deal. You yeah. know, like mm-hmm. I can get like a couple outfits going and just wash them and it's fine. Yeah. Um, so two of the shirts I brought were, uh, princess bride shirts because like, I mean, I love, you know, the movie and the book and, mm-hmm. you know, all of it. Like, yeah. you know, I think I brought the one that you got me, you know, the lithographs oh, the, one yeah. or the lithographs, whatever that mm-hmm. company is. That, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's so cool. It's like um, these t-shirts, they have other things you can buy too, mm-hmm. but it's like in tiny, tiny print, it's like the whole book mm-hmm. on your shirt. And then like they leave spaces in the print to make a, you know, picture, picture or design. Yeah. And this one is uh, uh, Inigo Montoya, mm-hmm. you know, like. <laughs> you killed my father. Prepare exactly. To die. Yeah. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> So it's the day before the memorial, and we're hanging out with family. I put the shirt on. I go look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, yeah, people are going to be like, oh, cool, Princess Bride. Like, I'm going to be cool, yeah. right? And then I was like, wait, <laughs> this is about his father dying, and this is, and these people are mourning their father dying. And I was <laughs> like, oh, no! Like, what am I thinking? Like, shit, shit. So I, like, change, and I'm just like, fuck, fuck. And then I text you, and I'm like, Rochelle, I have an idiot moment. And then, like, okay, so that happened. So, like, it's fine. I had another shirt. It's all good. Uh, we did the memorial the next day, and then the day after that, we were hanging out with family again. So I'm like, cool, cool. I'm going to wear my other Princess Bride shirt, and then people can be like, yay, Princess Bride, and yeah. people will like me. And then I look in the mirror, and I realize that... Um, it, it's so it's got Wesley and Buttercup mm-hmm. on it, and it says like something like, "Death cannot destroy true love" or something, yeah. something like whatever quote that is. It does yeah. say like, "Death," and I yeah. was like, "Fuck!" Like, <laughs> why did I do this? Like, like are these the shirts that fit me right now? Yes. Like, do I wear them all the time? Yes. But like, maybe don't talk about like death and dad's dying yeah. at this time, yeah, you know, like in this place with these people who are mourning. Like, that was what I was didn't I think fucking, this through. I did it. I was just like, cool, Princess Bride. But no. Yeah. I mean, no <laughs> one saw me in those, except for Eric and Killian. Yeah. And then I was like, holy shit, what is the matter with me? Like, yeah. this is not right. So, like, I changed and averted, you know, disaster and <laughs> exile and all that. But, like, I just, I just felt so fucking stupid for not you know, connecting those dots as being I insensitive, mean, you know? To like, be fair, like, I probably wouldn't have, like, thought about that either, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and they <laughs> are so cool. Like, the, that family is, they're fun. I'm, I'm sure yeah. they wouldn't have even, you know, cared. But, like, still, like, let's not, <laughs> let's not try. You yeah. know, like, so I just... not see what happens. Yeah, I just, just I just felt, like, such yeah. a dumbass for it's not... <laughs> you know, thinking more. I was more just in that, like, what the fuck fits me? I'm yeah. going to pack that as opposed to like, hey, is this going to be insensitive to somebody? Yeah. It might be. You never yeah. know, really, I you know? Mean, so yeah. It's it, just not the right, it depends, not the right time for that. I mean, that. people might not make that connection, but also they might. And then depending on the person, they like might or might not care, you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. It's you know. just, it was, it was just not, 
Yeah. Yeah, I just feel stupid. So that happened. So, so I didn't do it in front of anybody except for, like, Eric before I realized, you know, what was happening. So yeah. So I, it didn't happen, but it, like, very nearly pretty much <laughs> happened. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was it, yeah. yeah. What was your Is It or Aspen moment? Um, so... <laughs> Mine's another Maisie moment because, like, dear God, <laughs> that's she's what's going an on right now. Lately. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, she's seven months old. Like, yeah, it's I fine. Get it. That's I get it. expected, but like, it is what it is. Okay. Um. So if you're sick and tired of hearing about uh Maisie, then like, skip ahead or skip. You know, like. <laughs> oh no, it's but, good. You should put but, a picture of her on our on our like social I? media post. Huh? I don't think you I have. haven't. Yeah. Okay. That would be cool. Like, here's yeah. the terrorist, you know? Yeah, like, totally, totally. Yeah. But yeah, so definitely, you know, we were trying to do something fun with her by, like, taking her to a place she's never been, and, like, so there's an area that's, like, yeah, kind of, sort of-ish. It's, like, nearer to our old house, but, like, still not that far away from our house now. Yeah. And it's, like, a big area where people go out hunting, and they release birds and everything, mm -hmm. and, like... There's a creek that, I mean, this is, like, acres and acres and acres of this property, right? Mm -hmm. It's, like, some sort of, like, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's, like, anyone can go there. Anybody can go there. Um, yeah, and you can, like, obviously fire guns because, like, birds, you know, <laughs> the bird yeah. hunting. Um, so you see, like, people out there, like, the chuckers and the pheasants and all that sort of stuff. And then mm -hmm. also, like, there's a certain part of it that's, like, horse-related so people can, like ride their horses and do trail rides and stuff out there, yeah, and there's, cool. like, a big creek that goes through it, so, like, there's different parts of the creek at different, you know, areas that you can, like, take your dogs to or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so we decide we're going to take them out there. We have this, like, 30-foot-long, like, paracord-ish, like, leash thing for Maisie because, like, she can't be trusted to stick around, you know? Sure, and, like, yeah, she's too young. Yeah, and she just, like, I mean, she's, like probably close to 65 pounds now and like full of energy right mm -hmm. so like we take her out here and like she loses her ever-loving mind like yeah. <laughs> cannot handle being out in the world you right, know like she's right. just like this is amazing you know you're just <laughs> like okay and she's literally like running her like perimeter of like all that she's got for the rope and she's like I'm trying to yank her back and keep her like okay like you don't have to like charge the end all the time yeah. and like I spent the whole entire time we were out there like trying to control her you know yeah. cuz like she was like all the training out the window you mm -hmm. know and I'm like, great. So, like, <laughs> nature is too much for you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but fine. You know, whatever. And so she kept, like, charging and, like, hitting the end of her line and getting yanked back and then yanking me forward, you know? Yeah. And, like, it was just a whole thing. But at one point, and this is, like, an hour in, hour and a half, I don't know, you know, like, you would think she'd be kind of tired and slowing down. Yeah. Nope. It's just, like, every new thing was just added to the stimulation, and she was just like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. and, like, wrapped her cord somewhere, somehow around my leg. I don't even know, like, because she was, like, she doesn't just, like, go in a straight line anywhere, you know? She's, yeah. like, weaving around and, like, getting her thing caught in the bushes and, like, you know, running between, like, Travis and I or, like, running around us, so we're having to, like, jump rope over her, and, mm -hmm. like, it was just, it was a whole, like, there was not, it was not a peaceful walk at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, yeah, wrapped her cord around my leg 
and took off and hit the end of it and like of course like cinched my leg bad you know and I was immediately like oh no she broke my leg you know like there's no no, like it hurt bad and I was like this is like not like if she keeps doing this she is going to break my leg if she hasn't already you know and like she just is like would back up like just a few inches and charge it and like leap forward and like keep like she did this you're just like bouncing off the end of this thing over and over and over and over again and I'm like Travis is literally three feet away from her and she's like 15 feet away from me and I'm like help me he's like I don't know what you want me to do. Like, okay, maybe stop her from, like, charging and, like, hold her still so I can get untangled. Like, help me out in some way. And he's like, I don't know what you want me to do. And, like, oh my God, do anything. Do anything. You know, like, you know, like, literally anything. Which, okay, fine, whatever. Like, he just like didn't think it was as bad as what it was. Sure, yeah. Or he didn't what, I don't know. Whatever. Pain. It's not like he you would know? ever want you to be in pain. No, you know? no. But and like yeah. you know, like so it's not like he was like, oh yeah, ha ha. You know, right. it was just more of like, a, what do you want me to do? Like, is, she's literally just running around, like, like yeah. and it's like, no, like she's about to break my leg. Like, you yeah. need to do something about this, you know. Um, and so he finally like grabs her and, Mm -hmm. like, kind of calms her down for long enough for me to, like, get untangled. And, like, immediately my leg is already, like, welting, right? And I'm like, oh, no. And this was, like, almost a month ago now. And my leg is still bruised and still have, like, lump underneath it. You know, like, it's, like, hard, you know, tissue, like, welty still. And I'm just like, okay. My friend's like, yeah, she, like, it was like you got hanged. Like, she hung you around your leg. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, because, like, I am still bruised and still lumpy, you know? like, Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, geez, you know? And, like, (laughs) the biggest part of it, too, is that, like, she keeps, like, whacking it with her tail or, like, Uh, you know, stuff like that. Or, like, I hit something with my leg and, like, you know, hurt it more. So it's, like, it's not, <laughs> it's not getting the chance to, like, do its thing, really. Yeah. Like, kind of, sort of. But, like, it just, like, keeps getting hit. And not to where it would do damage, but since it's already, like, angry, it just is, like, okay, this is awesome. Like, I can't, you know, like... When I go to, like, wash my feet while I'm showering, I can't, like, rest my leg on my other leg to, Mm -hmm. like, wash it because it presses right on that area, you know? Like, it's just stupid stuff that just, like, keeps irritating it every day. So, she was an ass butt, which, I mean, like, part of that is because she's just still an idiot. You know, like... (laughs) Still a puppy, I understand. Still a puppy. But she's so big, you know? She keeps hurting you. Yeah, she's big. And so, it's like, okay, how many times are you going to have to hurt me before you just, like stop, you know, like, (laughs) but anyway, so that was, that was my moment. She, you know, tried to break my leg off. And this is after she broke your butt. This is after she broke my butt, you know, like, and so it's just like, geez, you know, come on. I'm sorry. There's always something, but yeah, yeah. I know. Obviously she loves you. Oh yeah. Like she's not trying to, you know, but it's definitely like, she's just like, acts like an idiot and like, 
doesn't really care in the moment as she's, like, losing her mind that, Mm -hmm. like, maybe I should listen, you know? She's just like, screw you! I'm having fun! And it's just like, oh my god, you know? Right, and it's not like she's attacking you. No, yeah, she's not trying to do anything, you know? It's just like, ugh, you know? Yeah, I don't know how you (laughs) teach a dog to not do that. Oh, you can't. Like, it was just, like, a fluke thing, you know? Like, it's not like she purposely wound her cord around my leg and, like, kept launching herself at the end of it, right. you know, like, right. <laughs> that wasn't an on-purpose thing, but it still was very, very aggravating, because oh, I yeah. couldn't get her to stop, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah. Oh, your poor body. Eh, I mean, like, by the time that this dog grows up, I'm either going to be completely broken or tough as nails, you yeah, know, like, you're right. <laughs> like, try me, my dog has done worse, you yeah. know, <laughs> you know, oh. so, eh. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandassfootspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Asfuts, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Asfut moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.